0: okay ladies and gentlemen boys and girls friends of all ages we are all the way to pearl jam episode five spin in that black circle my name is nino we got a blizzard out here in seattle i can't believe it so we are indoors doing some sweet podcasting talking about our favorite band with me as always is going to be the han solo to my chewbacca his name is wes He's freezing himself off out there somewhere in the Midwest. How are you doing,
1: brother? Doing great. Doing great. I am getting cold. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, it's it's Arctic freeze right now in the Midwest, so we're seeing negative 10 right now. And I lived in Seattle for a long, uh, for quite a few years, uh, and we didn't get a lot of snow when I was up there, maybe once a year. So you guys got, what, 10 inches, I think? Oh, yeah, 10, we're over a it, of but, snow.
0: but the snow... Don't stop the flow of PJ Rockin'. You know what I'm saying, brother? Oh, and if you didn't catch my uh, double entendre in my opening that was semi-weak this time, you know, my favorite um, Star Wars episode is Episode 5. So I have been waiting for this one. That would be Empire Strikes Back for all you novices. So that's why I had to throw a little Han Solo Chewbacca your way. That's how much of a Star Wars nerd I am, in addition oh. to being a Pearl Jam nerd. So... Um, I am super excited about the topic of the day, and you are the topic master, the king of all things of what to talk about Pearl Jam. So what are we doing this week here, brother?
1: So it was dropped a few days ago um, about the the two home shows, the second home show uh, in Seattle. Um, I want to get your take on that. I watched that yesterday real quick before we get into the topic. Yeah. Uh I watched it yesterday and it was a little I watched it on and on and you were at both the shows, you said, so I want to hear your your take on it. But um I can definitely tell like this is the first time I saw Pearl Jam um like up close and personal in a video in quite some time. And probably since the twenty sixteen Wrigley. And I can say, you know, obviously they are are super good and they still know how to rock and they play for four hours um but i can see you know i could see that ed and, and the guys are a little you know they're getting more mature uh this was my original <laughs> this <was the laughs> a little guy. long in the I tooth was, is what you're no, trying I don't to say like I'm yeah. anybody but i could say like man <laughs> no. these guys they're, they're they're obviously doing great but like and they sound great so i'm not taking anything i'm not saying they don't sound great but i could just tell like man these guys i mean it kind of aged me a bit like I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, oh no, I'm mid-thirties.
0: <laughs> You're like, this hair is yeah, not growing right. back. And I was like <laughs> like, yeah, Ed,
1: like Ed's really trying out there. And I can feel like he's getting tired. And like, oh no, but hey, they played for four hours. Nothing against them. I was just that was my one of my first observations observation was, yeah, these guys are getting a little up there, man. They're getting a little up there.
0: You know, it is difficult to see your your idols, your bands, your actors, your family, your friends, whatever, you know, uh, we can't escape uh, growing age, right? Moving on in years. And it's funny you brought that up because, again, we have this idea of what Pearl Jam That's it. sounds like in our head from studio tracks, right? And so a lot of times, if you've never seen them live, it's it's so hard for me to watch these on video because one, it doesn't do it justice of actually being there, right? And then when you're there and the crowd and everything's going on and you got fans swirling around you, you know, it will easily mask if people aren't maybe hitting the notes sure. on their yeah. instruments or the notes vocally or whatever. So I did notice there were a couple times you know, where Ed is singing and he's trying to push like when he's doing oceans, you know, in the very first song and, you know, he's not hitting those high notes anymore, but you know what? I think it is more than fair. It's not that fair. we even need to forgive him for, for that, but he musically can twist the songs and make it be awesome and still get the crowd rocking, but you can see it, dude. Cause it's like the crowd isn't 20, four years old either right, right? so you know when they're, they're tearing rises. into yeah. like brain of jay or when they're tearing into do the evolution or whatever the crowd's jumping but when i was there you know in the stands people aren't really like jumping in their seats you know what i'm saying that type of crowd is not yeah, <laughs> it's, I, they're I, not bouncing honestly, anymore
1: <laughs> right and and the the last concert I shot, saw we spoke about it a few episodes ago where it was at Wrigley, and I this is probably my own brain but I was probably rocking the hardest in my section and I almost felt a little embarrassed. I was like, <laughs> like come on people, <laughs> <laughs> yeah come on guys what are we doing? This is nineteen ninety three. Um, but my the the, the track that, that or the song that that, um, that I picked up on where it was Jeremy and I I think I've seen Jeremy once live and there's so much aggression in jeremy especially when he's was like oh.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and he tried he did that and i could just tell he was like i don't even want to sing this song like i don't even know maybe i'm sure there's a handful maybe there's half of the songs that ed doesn't want to sing anymore or just worn out or i want that that one was the one that checked in my head i was like i don't know maybe he doesn't i, I doubt he has the same level of aggression when he sings Jeremy today than he did early in the nineties. But that was one that I was like, man, it feels like maybe he's like, I don't really want to do this one. Uh, you know, I'm going to do it a, anyway because it's an iconic song.
0: Well, that's an interesting point because I mean, he's the dude that's pretty much making the set list anyway. Right. Every right. show he'll make the set list. He'll get input from his bandmates as far as what they want to play, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. And so, I don't know if he, if it's not so much that he doesn't want to do it or sing it or he's tired of it. I know that what I've seen a lot of frontmen have been doing over the years, and we're getting way away from our topic, which is totally fine because people at home, this is how we do. We are free-flowing with this. There's going to be times where you're at a live show and you can't quite vocally deliver and you know what if you're established and you've been doing it for 20 years and you've rocked people's asses off for that long in my opinion you don't have to prove anything anymore right if you want to take a sentence off and let the crowd take over absolutely and so i think what ed's very savvy with is what he is maybe at the moment can or cannot do because dude let's face it dude's drinking wine on stage all the time Wine is not going to hydrate your throat anytime soon. You know what I'm saying? It's like, the shit's going to dry you out, dude, you know? And, um, and he's been partying for 30 years. Right. And so he's good. He's good when he gets low, when his, yeah, you know, do he's you got think... that baritone voice. And, you know, when I see James Headfield and Maynard, James Keenan they might sound pretty good in the studio track because they got to hit it like 24 times. But live, dude, you know, they're they're not hitting those notes anymore. But I don't think they need to.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's any arm wrestling in, internally at the, in the band? To, like, okay, so their last tour was canceled, European and their North American tour due to COVID. But do you think there's anybody or any band member that is like, I really want to go tour or I really don't?
0: Everything I've heard is that Jeff prefers not these massive tours. He seems, you know, he's talked about just being kind of like not wanting to travel all over the place. And maybe it just kind of loses its novelty, you know, over time. Maybe to change and as you grow, which is kind of like what seeming like the way we're talking about in this podcast as things evolve, right? We should call this one do the evolution, dude, because we're. (laughs) We're talking right. about people and how they how they mature and where they take their artistry. It gets. I think they're getting better. We're never gonna get ten all the way through again. We're never gonna get verses all the way through again, right? And
1: well, this is where I had a hard time yesterday because when I heard when I watched that, I was just like you said earlier. it was like we all have this manifestation that we put in our brain of what these what these are we've we've idolized these these albums we've idolized the band and how they look and how they sound and if if god forbid they don't sound like that then all of a sudden then i have and it's just i'm just being vulnerable with you now like, This internal like look at myself like man <laughs> yeah
0: you, you <laughs> still look insane. good, though
1: man you still look good, though so. <laughs> uh, they're getting old I'm getting know. old. I'm getting old. Like, what's happening here? It is like, that kind of took me back a bit, man. But yeah, I, I, until you like you said, until you see something that's completely like wow, this changed my yeah. I didn't change my perception of Pearl Jam. Didn't none of that. It was just it more is, like it okay, is okay, shocking life,
0: because life is you know moving. when I'm watching it because yeah, I've I personally have watched a lot of YouTube videos. I've watched a lot of concerts. I've watched a lot of Pearl Jam concerts, especially over the past. 10 years, like anytime there's something new, I'll either have it on while I'm cleaning or doing stuff around the house or whatever. So when these shows are going on, there's not going to be much emotional variety as far as like having this hardcore, you know, like hardcore music, this total jamming to get people out of their seats as much, you know, I mean, they can do it and I, I bet if they chose like their top like seven, eight songs in a row of just like killer shredding riff songs, they would raise the roof off of any venue that they're in. But when I'm seeing yeah. mm-hmm. Ed do more stuff that he's doing now, and he's always been great acoustically. And I know one time we definitely want to talk about um, Into the Wild and his solo stuff, right? I think now mm-hmm. more of the emotion that he is getting out of his songs and out of the people are with the songs that are definitely slower and deeper. And I was, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. It's so weird you brought it up. I'm like, what kind of music are we going to get in the next two years out of all of these bands that have been not touring, right? You figure people are writing. Yeah, good point. You figure people are writing. You figure, you would hope that they're like, I'm sure people are bored as shit. They got their guitar. They're writing songs. A lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of content out there to work with. And PJ and the boys are writing. I don't know how many killer songs are just going to be totally shredding and annihilating the drums and the bass and the guitar and, like, super fast songs. I just don't know if we're ever going to see another album like that you know what i'm saying
1: no i think yeah, you're right you're right and i think i wanted to just you know really quickly you know i, I texted this last night as i was watching it um the highlight of that show was for me and i love when they do this and but it's a slow it's a slower song it's what they did daughter and typically when they do daughter live they usually blend in i'm okay or it's okay which i love it's okay love it's okay this time they did daughter WMA, which I love WMA, and then it's okay. So that was my highlight, but it caters everything you just said. Which maybe even in my life, I'm like my the, some of the favorite parts of, of Pearl jam shows for me is the first three songs mm. and the last three interesting. songs. Interesting, interesting, because it's usually it's well a the the first three songs are this huge buildup, You've been waiting all months for this. You have right, right. traveled, or you, you got a you know your friends. You're talking. You're ready. You're getting this a- anticipation. Then it's like okay. Then they walk out, and they'll say, you know everything kind of sets itself. And then the first three songs are usually the slow ones, like you had said. Whether it's release or I think they put oceans and then a nothing man. Yeah, which is such you know which you wouldn't think would be a big crowd riser, but it is. Sure, uh, but then yeah, so those are like. That's the best. Some of the best parts of, of the Pro Jam shows, and then of course the, defi- the finale when they're you know kind of you know losing their mind. But yeah, middle range where they throw in. Um, even though I love Brain of Jay, I, I saw that one. It wasn't all that. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, there's a few tracks. that's like, man, I think I, I'm okay with some. And some of the covers that they've been doing. Again, I'm not. I didn't write the set list. We have probably an episode talking about set list. But over in their uh, later years, they've been doing a whole lot more. Uh, covers, and I don't know if they did at the Wrigley show, which I think a lot of people were like, well,
0: what are they doing here? Yeah, Are you okay so. with that? Do I'm you okay, like, of course.
1: Because I, I, like, like there covers. are people that
0: don't, dude. There are people who are like, and any show they go to, like, I came to hear music from this band. I don't want to hear these, my favorite bands doing other people's songs because... If I want to listen to other people's songs, I'll go to that show or I'll listen okay. to that CD. Right, so, so there are people out there like that, and that's 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 cool too.
1: You know, the the covers I, I could probably pass on most of the covers, um, with exceptions. There's exceptions to that. So I do like "Rockin' in the Free World" when they play that one. Oh hell yeah! I do like uh, like "Sonic Reducer" is a cool one when they play. Um, Or um Bab O'Reilly's great. So those are like those are the older ones, but like the newer ones I think they should do with some Tom Petty and and they did a David Bowie cover at the Wrigley show. I was like, all right, I'm okay with this. But Oh Wes, come on, bro. Come on, bro. (laughs) You know what? And
0: here's the thing, it's like I think we're all so hard up to to get back to normal life and, and see anything that you know, if Pearl Jam was like, I'm doing a show in four days and they weren't doing anything but covers, I'm still there. Of course. I think, yeah, I would. I'm I'm still doing that, even though, you know, you might be pursing your lips the whole time, like, God damn it, dude, when am I going
1: to get my... (laughs) I'm not, okay, I'm not (laughs) cuckooing on it. I'm just saying, if I had my druthers, I would probably have less, even though they'd only play like three or four covers, so it's not a, they don't... It's not half the set list. But,
0: right, right. But you one know, of the
1: other highlights, and oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, um, please
0: keep going, keep going.
1: The other, One of the other highlights is they've been, you know, at any Pearl Jam show, and this kind of leads into our topic today, is a lot of people go there because we know the set list is going to be different, right? We know the set list is going to be some B side tracks, man. And some right. of the B side tracks are some of my favorite ones. Um, they played footsteps, which I absolutely love. Um, they played that at the sh- at the Seattle show. Um, yeah. And, um, they usually play state of love and trust. So there's a lot of great songs that they play live that you can only really most, uh, some novice Pearl Jam fans wouldn't even know of.
0: So I guess my question and, and I was thinking about this is that, is there a song or songs, that is, as you would say, a B-side, right? Not on a typical studio album, or a rare cut, or whatever, that maybe you've heard over the years, or you hear at a show, that you would think was on a studio album, or is not a B-side. I mean, is there something, a song that's so good that you're like, this isn't a B side because I hear him play it at shows all the time. Or no, it's gotta be on a studio track. Yeah. Do you ever like a hear a song these. like that? Yes. Because I get that I'll give, all, the, all time. the time.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you right now. It's it's Yellow that Better, of course. Um okay. Shockingly never met a <clears throat> never was released on 10. State Eleven Trust. Again, State Eleven Trust is probably one of my top five Pearl Jam sh- uh, songs. And that, we're we're saying this is after uh this is original release, so this wouldn't be like the Redux. Um, um, alone and hold on for sure are um, some of these other t- um item or in in breath. We shocked why these wouldn't be on a. How could these not get on a, a studio album?
0: Maybe that's how awesome they are, dude. It's yeah, like you can make a whole sweet studio album off of B sides, and they can make a bajillion dollars.
1: Like you could. So and bands would bands would would say how. Would would love to have State of Love and Trust, and that would be their best song they've ever made. But <laughs> right, it, it never even hit a studio album. It's, it's crazy.
0: So that that is one for me because when I've heard that, so I I love anything grunge time at the heyday. So one yeah, of it singles, is in singles, exactly, dude. We're totally <laughs> on the same page. So um, love that album. Love the movie. Um. And so stuff that I would hear in there, whether it's Alice in Chains or whatever, you know, I'm like, God, this is like the perfect song to for the scene in the movie. And I'm like, oh, it must be on one of their albums. But it's not, you know, one. Yeah. Yellow Leadbetter is one. However, that's another song that I remember when I first heard that my buddy Ryan back in the day. He's like, you like Pearl Jam, right? And I'm like, yeah, duh. And he's like, okay, well, I have this song, and I've never heard it before. And he's playing me "Yellow Ledbetter," and I'm just like, what is this song? I'm like, the guitar is so great. I don't great. understand one word. Any word Ed, he's saying, Ed yeah. is saying. However, we listen to it like eight times in a row. And this 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 bro of mine, he's he's not a huge pj fan but this song kind of spoke to him and so i just remember the first time i heard that i was like this is really cool but it's it would be nothing you'd ever really kind of hear on a uh on the radio
1: you know what i'm saying
0: and i was like so that that was one but um i think one that really stood out to me that I always have heard, and I'm like, oh, no, it's totally on a studio album is uh, hard to imagine.
1: I love hard to imagine. It's so good, dude. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It is so good. It is absolutely so good.
0: It's just an amazing song. It's just great lyrics. It's pertinent to what's going on in today's world. But that, I'm just like, this is a B-side, really? There's no way this could be a B-side because it's like... It kicks ass,
1: you know what I'm yeah, saying, right? So Pearl Jam, of course, released their their B side tracks, you know, Lost Dogs, yes, and and I remember I was probably a junior in high school, and I this came out, and I was like, what is this? Right? This is just some these are throwaways, yeah. And then and then you you hear footsteps, were hard to imagine, and it's like, wow, and you think like the same thought. It's like how could this not have made an album? Could could have been anything, but Hard to imagine is on there. Footsteps is on there. Wash. Uh, but then you have some f- kind of cool, some really kind of funky ones too. You have some um, Don't Give Me uh, don't give me No Lip uh, or you have Let Me Sleep, which I love. Let Me Sleep. It's a yeah. really fun one. Uh, and uh, Dirty Frank. I like Dirty Frank. And then a funny one, the Sweet Lou. Have you heard – have you listened to Sweet Lou a lot? You
0: know, I, I listen to Sweet Lou – um, I like Dirty Frank better, but hit me with your your Sweet Lou quip.
1: Well, just that I you know, I had heard that song, um, and then I was like, well, who was singing this? And uh, yeah, I kind of dismissed it first. I was like, this is not Ed, because even on other songs, um, you know, Stone gets the mic a few times. He got on you know, No Code, I think Mankind, um, but Sweet Lou, I didn't even realize Jeff was singing that. And right. And I secondly didn't realize until I listened actually listened to the lyrics, and he's talking about how much he hates Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Like this is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right.
0: He must have. He must have been a fan of a different basketball team where Kareem would just like crush him, like his right. his, <laughs> his team all the time. Because it's like so, yeah, if you're not a Lakers fan or a Bucks fan from back in the day kareem was just a nightmare to deal with so yeah. so
1: you get on on, on lost odds specifically <laughs> you get like you said you get some songs that are always going to be played on a show whether it's state of love and trust or yellow Ledbetter, better um and then you get songs that are rarely put in there but i think our fan favorites like dead man um fatal i like fatal so it's a kind of a nice little, and then of course they re redid "Brother," which I think is even better than the original. Just this just the instrumental, right? But yeah, there's so many tracks on there, and they like you said they could have released both of those uh, in two different kind of genres. It, it makes you wonder what else has been stuffed in the closet. Uh, oh, for sure,
0: for sure. You know, um, you brought up some cool tracks, so uh, I'm gonna go back to "Dirty Frank" for a minute, right? Okay, so the. The, the studio version on Lost Dogs, it, it's good. But hearing that song live, especially if you can catch it over the past um, 10, 15 years, it's a total jam band song, right? Just like, sure. da, 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 yeah. you know, that whole thing. So uh-huh. when they busted that out at one of these Gorge shows, the, at the Gorge and George out here, in uh, Central Washington, just an amazing venue. You know, they did it towards the end, and and Ed's funny. He's like, you know, we've had a lot of great songs, but we've this we've is, done a lot that's of that's right, fucking like some terrible songs, and we're gonna <laughs> play one for you right now. That's and right. Us yeah. into Dirty Frank, man. The crowd out of that whole show was just gigging the most on that, and I'm like, you know, maybe PJ doesn't need to. Just totally shred it. But if they get something that's catchy, that people can, that, you know, if people are like, name me a band that people can like dance to, Pearl Jam is not a dance band for me. I don't really dance around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: When I'm, I'm like,
0: I'm not, I'm not dancing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm moving. It's
1: mostly air guitar. I'm
0: moving, me. but I'm not like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not <laughs> I'm not dancing. Right. <laughs> and so. So that one, when they do that, that one is just super fun live. They hardly ever do it. Um, Okay.
1: So do you think for you then, kind of pulling this, uh, going full circle on this, do you go into a Pearl Jam show looking to seek out and hopefully play a a B-side track that you haven't heard?
0: I used to, for sure. I mean, I was definitely, I was in a, I had a a zone I was in at a, a point in, point in time where I was like I want to try and catch every PJ song you know like the song hunters dude right mm-hmm. you know you can go on to different websites you can plug in the concerts you've been to it'll tell you how many times you've heard um how many terms times you've heard corduroy versus how many times you've heard down or whatever you right. know what I'm saying right. and it'll tell you and it'll check off all the different songs so there was a time I was just like oh god how many Again, I'm not independently wealthy, so it's not like I could follow these guys on tour just to hear two B sides. But when they would play stuff that I'd never heard live before, I was just like, "Yes, this is so awesome! We're getting a shiny nugget!" Right?
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah. You know? They played you. They played you at the Wrigley Show, which I thought was great. Yes. Um, I think they even played Undone. Um, I think I've heard that live. But you're right. That these are some of the highlights. Um, because you you've done your whole life or your whole kind of adult like listening to the studio albums and then it's like this new fresh fresh ice cream that you've never had it's like oh yes this is great <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you brought up to um let's see uh you said don't give me no lip so yeah i do really like that song now when i first heard that song I was like, "Oh, this kind of sounds like maybe they're doing a cover in and of itself, right? Where it's not a B-side, and they're covering like another band, like someone else did that, because it sounds kind of '50s, '60s kind of rockish. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Um, like get
1: me out of control.
0: <laughs> yes, like that exactly, uh-huh. and." um Uh, You know, that Grammy Out of Control, that's a very, you know, like surfer song, like a Dick Dick Dale kind of nod to that kind of feel. So for me, and I don't know if you've ever had this as well, instead of thinking about, hey, you know, what song do you hear all the time that you would think is on a studio album, but it's really on a B side? Are there songs that you hear from Pearl Jam, whether it's on a studio album, and you're like oh, this isn't a Pearl Jam song. they got to be covering some someone else. For me, Don't Give Me No Lip was one. Johnny Guitar is another one. Yeah, when I first okay. heard Johnny Guitar, okay. I was like, "Oh, this isn't a Pearl Jam song. This is weird. They're throwing a cover and a studio album because it sounds like, it doesn't sound like, it, well, it's them doing it, but it doesn't sound like something they would do and the lyrics sound not dated, but you know topics and things like that that bands would do, in like the '80s or whatever. Like Aerosmith okay. would do the song or whatever.
1: That's, that's a really interesting. Yeah, you're right. It you does. Know? It seems out of place. It it's, seems way out of place. It seems
0: out of place, right? But it's still badass. Yeah,
1: it's and so,
0: uh, leaving here is another one that's like that. So all three of those have kind of this feel of like, yeah, this is good, but man, you know, I think they're they're paying homage to some band on purpose that I've never heard of before. And they're picking something out of their catalog that sounds amazing,
1: and they're putting so their I, own spin on it. Does that make I sense? Think, yeah. So I think I can answer a few, some of these. So, like, um, the Grammy out of control. I don't. I really don't know. You're right on that one. Leaving uh, here, like, I think some of these tracks, even one of them that I was going to bring up, which is, I, I guess, I wouldn't call it a B-side, but it's just it's a song they they created that never reached a. Uh, a studio but man of the hour like was made for um big fish or right. state of eleven trust was made for singles and leaving here i think was made for a movie so oh. <clears throat> um so those like man of the hour i would i would have on my list of i love this song but don't know if i'd call it a b-side cuz it was kind of made for this movie same thing with into the wild but i think leaving here dance try to answer your question i think it was built for a uh a movie oh okay well then that's probably why right yeah you know
0: yeah um but De- dead man at, has that at, man of the hour vibe too you know what i'm saying yeah that's
1: right yeah if you look if you look at if you look at some of these songs that were not released on 10 whether it's breath or State and trust or yo Ledbetter, better you know hold on like these are huge monumental songs and could have been you know it could have been billboard songs do you ever think maybe like when they're you know, uh, when they're engineering the, the album of 10 they're like okay we have too much good content here let's stash these things away right <laughs> for a rainy day when maybe there's some writer's block and say okay let's put in this right yeah, yeah. there had to have been that conversation because they had to look at each other and like wow we got a pretty good album here and then when versus it's like Got more content, like then all of a sudden now you get songs like "State of Love and Trust." And just no, they just play live, okay? And right. then they go on greatest hits, but it's such a weird premise. Like, like I think writing music is probably one of the hardest things ever, for sure. And then, not only like music, but lyrics to it. And to think you have all these things basically sitting in this treasure chest—it's it just reaffirms how how creative. And how amazing these guys are to uh, again like have five or six of those songs that any band would just pay millions of dollars for. To keep me that exactly.
0: Album. And what an awesome problem to have! Like if you're that talented that you can you know set that much aside, it just makes you know it stands to reason. Like, what other bands have stuff stashed away? Like, dude, how many Led Zeppelin songs are there that we've never heard? Like, what is in Jimmy Page's stash, sure. dude? What is in Keith Richards and Mick Jagger's stash. What is in Bruce Springsteen's stash? What uh, what do these guys have set aside? Like when Jimi Hendrix started releasing all these albums posthumous. Like how many Jimi Hendrix albums like came out after he passed away? Of like all new stuff. I mean, there was like at least three. You know, and when I was listening to like Land of the New Rising Sun or whatever that album was called, I was like, oh my god, this is so awesome! And they never saw the light of day. Um, so when are we gonna get all that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> well, I'll be greedy right god. now, I got nothing going right. on with my life, I need some more like new Led Zeppelin. Like, Let's get and, after it. So,
1: thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness, um, the band was like. All right, we have enough of these these B sides or these things on the on the shelf that we could put together something because we play these songs. Like you said, we play these pro jam plays these songs live all the time, so people know these songs, right? So I don't know. And then my first question was, who's making decisions? I know Brennan O'Brien has produced almost I think every one of their studio albums. Yeah. So yeah, like who's the jurisdiction on some of these things? I know I think early on it was Jeff and Stone, and then. And then I think I mentioned, and I think Ed took kind of the creative control of of Vitalogy, but like who would have really had the stones to say, no, y'all is not coming on this. Like that's crazy to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, again, you know, I've never written a song. I've barely written poetry in my life. I don't know how to create structure of a song to, to do it. I'm trying to learn. It's extraordinarily difficult. I don't know anything about making an album, right? Or what, right. What at the time, the, uh, you know, people are going to need to create something successful so you can put your best foot forward. I think what's cool with Pearl Jam is that every album has changed over time. And they've, maybe aside from the first couple albums when they're like, okay, yeah, let's try it'd be nice to have a career. Maybe let's try and make some money on this. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Let's let's be a band. Let's do what bands do. And then you got to put your strongest songs out there. It's got to be freeing to take that stance of like, I don't really give a shit. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I think the best artists do that. They don't care how it's going to be received. If it's received great, whatever, if they People don't like it. It really doesn't matter to them. Like the whole Ticketmaster thing. For them, they're going to stand up for what they believe in. They're not going to let people get raked over the coals. If they've got a certain stance, they're going to stand by what they feel. And they're going to do what they say, right? And if they take that to their songwriting of like, hey, man, I don't really care. I can have these on the back burner. I can release it. I cannot release it. I mean, hopefully the power is with the band and you would, how many bands have not had that option
1: Yeah.
0: throughout history <clears throat> where maybe they had to put out songs they would have never really ever wanted to do just because that's like
1: what that's the, the producers want to do. Yeah. That's
0: That's yeah. what radio needs at the time. So I think we're pretty fortunate. We live in a time where, you know, people can, Make these decisions for themselves. And now, of course, you've got social media where they can just choose if they want to put stuff out there. You know, like when I was watching Ed do some duets, especially during the pandemic time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's given these guys time. I know they must be on stage and they want to reconnect with the people. And that's where they get their thrills, right? Is being up there and given back to the people. But when I was watching this one thing, Ed was doing the song uh, constellations with Jack Johnson. Okay. who is? Uh, I can go all over the place with this, but anyway, I'm going to try and stay <laughs> focused here because my brain's going a million miles an hour with all this stuff. It's, um, you know, Ed's in his house, Jack Johnson's in his house, probably in Hawaii somewhere. They're doing the song perfectly at the same time in rhythm with each other. Ed's playing the rhythm, Jack's playing the lead. They're both singing. And how cool is that, that we live in a time that we can actually do that and they can see each other and they can create music. Um, We're pretty lucky. And if we can just get more of that selfishly, I would love to see something new every week. I know these people have lives and families, but, you know, as a fan, you know, we are living in this... You know, well, almost think this about like it. society of like, how much more can I get? I just need yeah. more. <laughs> I think,
1: right. I think at least uh, I'm assuming for most of them, if not all of them, but primarily, just, you know, Ed and then I know Mike is like Mike does some Twitter stuff where he like he was calling it like bathroom sessions. That was, was fun. Yeah, I know, uh, right? <laughs> or he would just just play random just licks, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And, uh, and Ed, like you said, is doing, is did some stuff for some fundraising things for, he partnered up with, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, uh, from very Hamilton. Cool. on, yeah, it was very cool, uh, for the Georgia, uh, runoff election stuff. And, um, but I think you're right. I think, you know, he's, the band's been doing this for 30 years and they've been touring almost religiously throughout that time. Right. And they're probably itching just as bad as we are to, 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 to to be creative and to feel that energy again. I, I mean, I, this goes back to the first episode. Like I thought they were probably on the back end of their, their touring life, um, back in 2005. And this is now 2021 and right. probably, I know they got Europe, I think back on, uh, on the, in the queue for, for this summer. Yeah. Um, that's but the... I mean, I don't say again. I, I don't think they're done, but, um, it's just great because they obviously love playing and they love being creative and like you said i own i can only imagine like that ed's writing some stuff right now oh yeah that oh, is yeah, baby. gonna be great or maybe it's not i don't know i was a little bit of a critical uh with with gigaton as it first came out but the more i listened to it the more i'm kind of softening up to it but um <laughs> but, <laughs> That's totally your style, dude. You're like, I don't it is. know
0: about this. It is. We had, but, I
1: think, mean, you and I had some some angry text back and forth from that first because, <laughs> like, you touched on it, like, dance of clairvoyance, like that is like completely unique. They're like, what? Anything? In the put this thing back the on the shelf. Right?
0: I know you were like, I don't like this at all, and yeah. I was just like, well, it definitely has like like I remember the first night plugging that thing, you know, I was on at like midnight right away whenever it was released, just waiting for it. And I, tur- and I'm listening to it, I'm like, what the hell is <laughs> going on in the world right now? These guys have lost their minds. Right. But yeah. I kept playing it and I kept playing it and I'm like, and I started kind of <laughs> gig into it, you know? And, you know, now everyone's like, yeah, it has that talking heads vibe, which I, I totally got that right away. I'm like, why does he sound like David Byrne, you know, and, (laughs) and which is weird, but it's so cool to, to be able to love a band that their inspirations. Yeah. Their inspirations are so varied, right? Yeah. Super varied. And, um, and I think that the more, you know, you used to get worried back in the day if like, you know, someone from your band is playing with another band or doing something with someone else. And that must mean that they're not happy with their band. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just like, you know, I am a big Soundgarden fan. So when I heard that Matt Cameron was like, going to start playing for Pearl Jam, I'm like, fuck, Soundgarden is over, dude. Like, come on. They're like 30. Come on. Why is this over? Why? What is going on? You know? And then you saw Chris move on to do stuff in Audio Slave, which I That's totally right. love. And I'm just like, I okay. probably like Audio Slave
1: more than Soundgarden, to be honest.
0: You know me. what? We, God damn it, dude. Okay. We need <laughs> to talk about some stuff after this. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, when they started pulling like talking heads kind of vibe, and then when I saw like Ed doing stuff with like Cat Stevens and all these different people from like all over the place, I'm just like, Man, how cool is it to have your guy, your leader of your band, be able to do so many different things so well? I mean, we're pretty fucking lucky, dude, that like Ed Bed's our guy and he's in our band. <laughs> our band, like we're in the band, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like we like we really have any part him. of this, right? We got it. We, we like to him. think we do. And um, I just think of how much respect, you know, Ed has now with, These people that he's looked up to. It's got to be surreal, dude, how you can be like a huge fan of The Who. And then you're lucky enough one night to be on stage with them. Then you develop a relationship with these guys. And then, you know, Ed can now probably, if he wanted to throw a benefit show, he could call up Bono and fucking Chris Martin and anybody, and they'd be there in a heartbeat to, to like do like the show of all shows. I mean, that just kind of shows me like how humble he is and how cool he is. He's not trying to be this mega rock star. He's just, he's himself. People like his, the way he is, you know, he's a good dude. He treats people right. And he gives a shit, you know? So dude, we are all over the place on this podcast. What is going on? Help me, help me
1: get back. (laughs) Closing thoughts, closing thoughts. um, I have to say, I am definitely one of those people that enjoy and and really um, hope to catch one of these these, these kind of random b side tracks that shows so yes uh, so just to confirm that so yeah if I were to find a way to, to see dead man or drifting again I saw let me sleep in Seattle you were at that show with me I thought it was really awesome yes um maybe even like a real slow down, even slower, slower down, uh, footsteps, maybe just Ed, uh, that would be pretty, pretty gnarly too. But. So you, we, I wanted to go to this foot. Now there's a whole debate.
0: You got footsteps. Okay. And then you got seasons, right? Which is Chris Cornell singing his solo with the same guitar riff.
1: Are okay. you aware of on this? Temple, on Temple of the Dog.
0: I don't even know honestly Seasons is not on Temple of the Dog. Um, it's just his own solo.
1: Okay. Deal. Interesting. Right? Okay, so I so, know that Stone wrote those that riff. Right. And originally had it for Temple of the Dog.
0: And yeah. it's
1: I can't, I can't remember the um the song it is. Um, but then that was one of them, and hopefully we catch this. We catch this topic on another podcast. But that was one of the songs that the the, the music, the instrumental was kicked down to Ed when he was basically auditioning to dub over his lyrics. Right. Um. But yeah, this is an iconic song, for sure.
0: So, cause for me, dude, I do love footsteps, but I think I, I like I like seasons more, and it's the same guitar it's the same it's the same setup it's the same arrangement and that's pretty cool that you got people that are great friends and they'll be like yeah let's share the same music you write your words over this i'll write my words over this it's just an interesting dynamic i don't you don't really you don't really see that ever i can't even really think of another another song It except when I'm starting to see like the Foo Fighters put they they do mashups they do two songs now Chris Cornell does a lot of this as well he he's pretty famous for taking um, the uh, song one from Metallica and the song one from U two and mashing them together so what's crazy. It's he's doing the instrumental from U2's one, but he's singing the lyrics of Metallica. And if you've never heard that dude, it is so awesome. So Foo Fighters are taking the instrumental from, uh, uh, God, Lennon, Lennon from the Beatles, right? Mm -hmm. John Lennon. He's taking, they're taking the guitar or the excuse me the uh, piano from that from John Lennon's Imagine and they're putting the lyrics to Van Halen's Jump on it and it is so awesome, dude. Okay. Like so, these mashups, you know, I mean, are are really pretty cool. I, I don't see Pearl Jam doing any of that, but this whole Seasons Footsteps dynamic, okay, it's a, it it's an interesting thing. So. Man, I got so much more, but we are way over time. So to all of our faithful listeners, all you in the maybe just a few dozen, we love you out there. Hopefully we'll get some more. But, you know, for us, Wes, it's all about us doing our thing, right? Just like Pearl Jam does. We're doing our thing. If people like it, we love it. If people don't like it, thanks for giving us a try. We appreciate. Stay safe out there, everyone and we got an awesome show coming up next week.
1: Take care, Wes. See you buddy.
0: Hi right, man.